This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's gonna break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, everybody. I'm Trent Rush, excited to be with you for another edition of the podcast, especially with pitchers and catchers reporting in less than a month. We have a very busy show for you. Earlier this week, the Angels made a trade for a pitcher, brought in Matt Andrees, and that was in a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Jeremy Beasley goes to Arizona, a non-prospect, a right-hander for the Angels. They bring in a 30-year-old righty that had a 5-5 five and five record last year, 4.71 earned run average. We're going to talk more about the trade to get Matt Andres, a Redlands native, pitched at UC Riverside. Now he comes on back to Southern California. We're going to have Angels general manager Billy Epler on in just a moment uh, to talk about that. Billy came on our show on Tuesday night on Angels Radio AM 830 KLAA. So we're going to talk a lot about that trade. The Angels bring in a pitcher that at the very best can be a back-end rotation piece for the Angels. At worst, he's going to be uh, likely a bullpen piece for the Angels. So the Halos bring him in. Didn't cost very much. Uh, one of those moves that you know has good upside, but really you know very little downside. So this is one of those moves uh, that I think can help the Angels. We're going to have uh, GM Billy Epler on like I said, uh, to talk about that. Also, really special, we had David Fletcher come by the studio. An awesome conversation with Fletch. I know a lot of you guys are excited about that. Fletch rocking a new number this year. Yes, number 22, David Fletcher came by the studio. So we'll have that chat uh, coming up in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to talk about the trade that the Angels made with Matt Andres last year. Uh, he pitched in 54 games, all of them in relief. Now, Andres has been a starter before. He was that in Tampa Bay, goes to Arizona, primarily used out of the bullpen, and he has been one of those guys that's kind of in between. Um, you, you can kind of, you know, very similar to like, um, you know, uh, Felix Pena, I, I think, is, is a fair example uh, for how it's kind of been used before. Trevor Cahill is one of those guys that, you know, using the rotation. Also, a bullpen piece. Andres' numbers better than Trevor Cahill, and he's younger than Trevor Cahill at 30 years old. I found this to be interesting. Matt Andres had a 4.71 ERA last year. And that, that That's not jumping um, off the charts there. You know, w- the standard of being sub five is not ideal. You know, when I'm looking at ERAs, you want to see ERAs under four. You want to see guys in the twos and the threes. But Andres had a 4.71 ERA. 
might not totally have been um, all his fault, though. You look at some numbers like his strikeout numbers. He averaged over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Uh, I thought his walk rate was decent, 27 walks in 70 and two-thirds innings. The, The number two is... We've talked about this stat before because it is a valuable stat in baseball. It's fielding independent pitching. FIP is what it's called. And Matt Andres' FIP is 3.72. So that's if you eliminate the defensive uh, elements of the game, that is what would be like the most fair way to evaluate a pitcher, again, if you remove the defense. So Andres might have been the victim of some poor defensive play in Arizona. That same thing is most likely not going to happen with the Angels. Again, the reality, your ERA is the reality. That is what happened. But sometimes you can get a little bit unlucky, and I do think that there is an element of that for Matt Andres. Um, again, I'm not saying that FIP is the be-all, end-all, and like I said before, the reality is the ERA. You are what your ERA is. His ERA, not great at 471, but I think when you see somebody that has a FIP that's a run better than their ERA, that tells me that pitcher was a little bit unlucky. He's about a 50% ground ball pitcher. When Andrelton Simmons and Anthony Rendon are on the left side of your infield, that is a very exciting thing because those guys are so outstanding uh, when it comes to defense. As far as the scouting report on him, Andres features a fastball. It's a little bit below average. He's in there about 92-93. As far as the velo goes, his spin rate is uh, above average. And he is a controllable player, $1.4 million. This is not they this is not the big move. This is not Met Andres is not Dylan Bundy or Julio Tehran even. Uh, this is a piece that the Angels can slide into the mix of being a possible contender for that sixth spot in the rotation. And if it doesn't work out, you can use him in the bullpen. He is a major league quality depth piece. Those are harder to come by than I think what many fans realize. And the way I see it right now, I'm seeing a rotation with Shohei Otani, Julio Tehran, Andrew Heaney, Dylan Bundy, Griffin Canning, those being the five, and a competition for the sixth spot. And that's going to be what gets sorted out in spring training, whether it be Patrick Sandoval or Jose Suarez, Jaime Berea, maybe it's Dylan Peters, Matt Andres uh, is going to compete in that spot. And Felix Pena, I think eventually once he gets healthy and his knee gets right after that torn ACL, uh, maybe Felix Pena gets into the mix. The other part of this, too, even if it doesn't necessarily help the starting rotation, having somebody like Andres, and the same goes for Pena when he's right, and I I don't know how long it's going to take before Pena's back uh, in the mix for the Angels, but when you have players like that, that's going to help your bullpen, and you have some length out of the bullpen, and those guys are proven solid relievers, so there is a value to this. Um, again, it's it's not it's not an earth-shattering move that the Angels made to bring in Matt Andres, but this is another move that came at great value. $1.4 million contract, traded away a non-prospect to get Matt Andres. The Angels got him uh, on a bargain, and hopefully he'll have a chance uh, to help the club this year. Uh, we are joined on the phones now by Angels General Manager Billy Epler. Uh, Billy, first of all, thank you so much for joining us here on the show tonight. I just kind of want to know your impressions of uh, and what you see in Matt Andres. Um, well, you know, Matt is an attractive player for a number of reasons. I mean, you know, one, um, he has in his history, um, you know, starting uh, like a starter's background. He's been built up, 
he's shown that he can hold pitch, uh, you know, accumulation of innings, pitch volume, um, you know, outing to outing. And so he provides us with another opportunity um, to, to, to bring a pitcher in that, could, that can deal with some bulk. And not too dissimilar from acquiring Felix Pena a couple of years ago. Um, and so ultimately we'll bring him into spring training as a starter, but we obviously can, can collapse him down into the bullpen if we wanted to do that. Um, he does have options remaining if we needed to make a move and, and send him down, uh, but that's not where our mind is right now. Our mind is putting him in our starter regimen, bringing him in, and giving him every opportunity um, to make the club in, you know, in, in that arena and then if that doesn't happen, we can evaluate from, from, from that point forward. So not really you know, trying to put a label on him at this moment in time. Just, just glad we could bring in another quality arm that can miss bats, can keep the ball on the ground, um, you know, has an assortment of pitches. He's a fastball, curveball, slider, and changeup guy. Um, so we, we feel good about the acquisition. And um, you know, it, it, it was at a price. Um, you know, financially, as far as you know, what's committed to to Matt for next season, where it still can entertain us to uh, you know to consider other things. Along with that, um, it, it seems like this year it's been. A- you guys have, have brought in a lot of pitchers that have shown proven durability. Um, I, I guess Andres can kind of fall in that same kind of category with the amount of you know games he pitched in last season. Was that a goal for you coming into this offseason to get guys that you know are proven to be reliable and durable? Well, I mean, yeah, you know, one of the things that's you know that's kind of stung us over the last couple seasons is you know the uh, the availability of players and you know players contribute to winning. Um, in, in two, you know, really distinct ways. One is through productivity, right? When they actually play, how good are they when they play? Um, and the other area is they have to be available to play. And so um, we we did put a premium on on you know I, I guess we should I should say we put a premium on both of those domains. But you know we've had circumstances where we've had players performing at a very high level. But they haven't been as available as you know we've needed them to be, or the or the season kind of demands them to be. And so, for us to gravitate towards guys that are also available, um, whether that's Dylan Bundy or or Tehran um, or or you know Matt Andrees in this case, you know that that that's been valuable for us. I know that in just looking at some of the numbers, Matt's FIP is a lot better than his ERA. And, you know, if you look at some of the other uh, advanced metrics, it, it looks maybe a, a lot better than some of the traditional numbers for him. And I think that kind of goes across the board with some of the new players coming in uh, to this roster. What are some of the, is that one of the stats that you're looking at when you're evaluating, you know, a player's value and what he can bring? Yeah. I mean, there's an element and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not exactly satisfying to, to kind of to acknowledge luck, um, you know, because we'd like to think of the world as, as being fair, um, but but in reality it's not. In the, in the baseball world, in reality, it, it, it's not. Um, I you know I can point you back, and uh, you, you'll have to you'll have to look up the exact years that this happened. I want to say it was maybe ten and eleven or eleven and twelve, but James Shields. One year had a five three ERA, and the very next year had a two and some change two seven two eight ish 
ERA and won the Cy Young. His strikeouts were the exact same. His walks were the exact same. His home runs were the exact same. So was he different, or were sometimes the balls just finding more holes than others? And does the pitcher really have control of that? It's funny that that you know you kind of you brought this or segued into this, Trent, because I was talking with Joe Madden about it, and he goes, "I remember it well. Yeah. I was there watching that happen, and some balls were just." avoiding the fielders and and we the guys just weren't in the right spots based on how the ball was coming off of the bat and it's really hard to predict with you know it's a round ball and a round bat that it's not science it's uh it's not it's not foolproof and so there's an element of that where i i i, I do like era but it really requires a large sample and dealing in 70, 80, and in that, you know, in the example I was giving you with James Shields, those were 200-plus inning seasons, both yeah. of them. And even in 200-plus inning seasons, it doesn't it doesn't hold water all the time. It can get you a lot of the way there, but it's not without its deficiencies. And, and you know, James Shields and others have, have had to live that, you know? Sure. Last thing for me, Billy. You mentioned it a moment ago. This still opens the door for the potential uh, for you know other moves to be made. Uh, I'm curious about when we talked at the winter meetings down in San Diego. Talked about going after frontline starting pitching, and that was a priority at the time. Uh, a lot of time has gone on since then. A lot of acquisitions have been made since that time. Does that remain a priority for the Angels at this point? Well, I mean, we we keep. We keep looking um, in in all different markets, you know. And while you know it's it's you know evident that that you know over the last few seasons we haven't had the inning accumulation um, or the impact out of our rotation or the impacts kind of been um, you know over month uh, a couple months rather than you know needing to be over six months. Um, you know that that's clearly an area that can help our club, but there's a lot of ways to win baseball games. Some years we've seen clubs win and get into the playoffs by by slugging and outscoring, and other years there's been clubs that um, have done it, you know, via the pitching route and all that. I think what you know what it, what that what that what that means is there's many ways to win baseball games now. If you ask me, I would say in a shortened series, the pitching is probably going to be the big driver in a shortened series. I think over the course of 162 games, you can score a lot of runs and win a lot of baseball games because you do run into, you know, average pitching or fringe average pitching and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, that, that's a really long-winded way of saying there's a number of ways to improve our club. We have to be open to everything. While we would like it to come via starting pitching, if it's not there, is the mindful thing to force the shot. Um, we pursued high-end starting pitching. We, um, we're putting, toge- putting together record-setting offers for, for starting pitching. It, it didn't work. We pivoted. We looked for ways to help our, our club either score runs or prevent w- runs, but ultimately contribute to winning baseball. That was, that was the main driver. So, you know, um, it doesn't always have to be if I if I go into the store and I need this, this is what I have to buy. And, you know, basically at all costs, I have to get this out of the store. I don't 
I, I think there's other ways to approach, um, you know, creating a, a winning baseball team. Billy, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us and looking forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Trent. Be well, man. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Billy Epler, for joining us here. And I thought it was interesting uh, what he just said a moment ago about the Angels' approach. I would imagine the Angels, look, the way the roster is set up right now, the Angels are going to have to outslug teams. And that's the reality. The pitching, I, I think, is close to average. It's a lot closer to average today than it was, you know, two months ago. What the Angels have done, bringing in Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran, you know, a, a Phil piece like a Matt Andrees, a Kyle Keller in the bullpen. There's a couple of, you know, moves have been made to address the pitching and improve the pitching. It just hasn't been that main frontline guy. And at some point, I liked Billy's analogy, you know, you're not going in. It's you're not putting one recipe together, and that's the only recipe. So you have to get that at the store. You know, you can get if the price is outrageous on something, you can still pivot and be able to put together a nice meal for your family that doesn't necessarily have to be the ingredient that you are looking for right away. So that that's part of the deal for what the Angels are looking to do. Billy hit the nail on the head. I thought he's exactly right. In a shortened series, the pitching does become a premium. I will. I feel confident going into a wild card game at with Shohei Otani pitching for the Angels. I think that in a one game playoff, you're in that wild card game, and I feel good with Shohei on the mound. And I do believe that should the Angels feel that they have to go get that starting pitching option, that front line guy, that ace, and there's not that many of them. What are there? You know, 10, 12 of those guys in baseball that you would consider legitimate aces. Should the Angels want to go get that guy, the time to do that could be in July if the price tag remains outrageous. I mean, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to dump everything right now to go make a move. See what your team is like. See, you know, if the Angels can contend and be in the mix in July. If the Angels get to the end of July and you really feel like they're really just that one piece away, well, then maybe that's when you pull the trigger then. Uh, you got to follow all season long. And by the way, get your red on. Support your Angels during every home game in 2020 with Angels season seats. For more information on becoming a season seat holder, call 888-796-HALO. That's 888 888- 796 Halo or visit angels.com slash season seats. The Angels right now, as it stands, are eighth in projected war if you go to fan graphs. And six of the top eight are American League teams. So right now, the Angels, uh, as the way the projection goes, they got the Astros with the best overall war winning the AL West, the Yankees winning the East. The Red Sox being a wild card team, the Twins winning the Central, and then it boils down to the Rays and Angels that are separated uh, in war based on these projections by three tenths of a, of a win. So it's four. You know the overall total for Tampa Bay is forty three point six. The Angels today are forty three point three. It is razor thin. The Angels are going to be a team based on these projections that will be in the mix. Their lineup right now. According to fan graphs, only the Astros, Red Sox, and Dodgers have a better lineup than the Angels. The Angels lineup is elite. Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout together is elite. And keep in mind, that projection is not really even factoring in Joe Adele's possibility. 
You look at what some of the guys did last year in like Jordan Alvarez and um, Tatis. Uh, these are guys like Pete Alonso was was stupid. He had like a five and a half WAR season, but these other guys are like three and a half, four WAR seasons. You know, even Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the bottom of that was in the two range. If Joe Adele can be somebody that ends up having you know a two or three win season, which is about what David Fletcher was last year or close to that, then the Angels all of a sudden have a lineup that is right there at the very top, you know, with the Astros, with the Red Sox. You know, the Angels, you know, based on projections and, and based on a lot of the numbers that are out there now for what they can be is a better lineup than the Yankees. The pitching is is not quite average. It has to get a little bit better. Um, you still have to make those moves. But I, I do believe, and I, I'm saying this with my whole heart, if the Angels can be an average pitching staff this year, with this lineup, they can contend. And if they're able to make a move at the deadline to go bring in a front-end guy, it's not just contend for a playoff spot, it's contend for a World Series. This team, honestly, is really not that far away. And I'll, quite frankly, this, te- this team started the offseason several pieces away. Today, I see them as being one piece away. Now, you have to let it play out, and you got to make sure the price is right. Now, the, 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 the one piece is a mega piece. It is hard to get a front-line, ace-like starting pitcher. Those guys don't grow on trees, and you have to give up a lot to get them. And the Angels have the pieces in the farm to be able to do that. Are they willing to part with those pieces? It doesn't look like today they are willing to do that, but that doesn't mean that the Angels are done shopping. It doesn't mean that the price tag won't be reduced. Maybe some of these teams want to move one of these players, and the price tag can be really high today, but then once pitchers and catchers report, and then you get into spring training, you start to feel the heat of that price tag. Maybe there's a team out there that has an owner that is saying, hey, we need to get rid of this guy. We need to dump this guy and get younger prospects or go you know, shed some cash to go you know, get somebody and get rid of this player. Maybe the heat isn't on today like it will be when pitchers and catchers report in less than a month from now. So it's all a negotiation. There's so much that goes in to all of this, and I I do – firmly believe the Angels are a lot better today than they were when the offseason began, and it starts with Anthony Rendon being in the lineup. You know, he and Mike Trout together uh, is going to be incredibly special to go see. All right, so that is the news of the week, but the reason I know most of you guys are here, it's because you want to hear from David Fletcher, and Fletch stopped by our studio earlier this week, and here now is our chat with Angel Utility Man and all everything dude, David Fletcher. We're having some fun here in studio right now, joined by number 22, David Fletcher, joining us here uh, for the Angels. Fletcher, good to see you, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a, a very busy offseason uh, for the Angels in so many ways, and I know that you spent a lot of time here uh, getting ready for the season. I'm just kind of curious, like, how's the offseason been for you? What you been up to? Uh, it's going great. Um, I'm fortunate enough to come here and work out at the stadium and get my lifting and running in with uh, our strength coach, Lee, and... A couple yeah. other guys, uh, Griff Canning and Tommy and Listella and uh, Buttry are out here and Sandoval. So a couple of us still get together and uh, able to work out together. I think that's probably a misconception of like some baseball fans, right? Like they they think, okay, you play the season, then you have your off season, you go do your thing. But you're kind of saying, hey, that, that's a lot of players that not necessarily doing that. It's it's a full time job. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, like I said, I'm lucky enough that a couple of the guys hang around here and 
Um, we can all kind of work work out together. All right, who's the most fun of that group? Oh, the most fun. I know. I know you're the biggest prank guy of that uh, group, right? No, no. no. <laughs> Tom, Tommy likes to have fun. Yeah, we, yeah. We ha- we all have a lot of fun out there. We we play some games and stuff too. So we we definitely have fun while we work out. Okay, I have another question of that group that you work out with. Who is the most competitive of that group? Uh, I have to be me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, that's kind of, that's like an older brother thing, right? Because yeah. I, I would I would imagine um, that like when you and Dominic were growing up, like older brother kind of always owns that over little brother, right? Yeah, we were always competing and everything. We'd play basketball in the backyard, or wiffle ball, and um, we were always we were always playing games and competing. I know he's in the the Diamondbacks organization now. Obviously, had a great college career at Arkansas, but how's he doing? Is he doing all right? Yeah, he's doing great. I've, I've actually been able to work out with him the last couple months too. Um, and he actually had to go to Arizona for uh, like an instruct. So, okay. Uh, but I've gotten to hit and and throw with him the last couple months too. I, w- I want to go back to the Fletcher household when you guys were younger and competing against each other. I, I just kind of want to know like what that was like. What would go on between you guys? What were you guys doing coming up? I mean, to have two of you that are, I mean, Dom's on track to be a major leaguer. You're here and have proven that you can stay here, and that's pretty amazing. That doesn't typically happen. Yeah, um, I remember playing. Uh, wiffle ball in in the house sometimes. <laughs> I know our parents didn't like that too much, no. but uh, I remember one t- a couple of years where it would it would get dark really early after a time change, and there was nothing to do outside. So we'd play we'd play wiffle ball in the house and and just have a blast and compete. And I would imagine you never lost. <laughs> uh, every once in a while. Okay. Well, you Not can't often. you can't let them know that. Come yeah. on, you've got a radio audience here. We gotta say no. I always won, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. So uh, I'm curious for you. Uh, obviously. We got a chance to see you uh, at the Anthony Rendon signing when he was announced as uh, joining this Angels organization. Have you had a chance to interact with him at all? And and just what, what does that mean for you as an infielder in this group, seeing a player like that now, you know, join your team? Uh, I haven't I haven't got to interact with him really. Just seeing him at that press conference. But yeah. um, anytime you can add a top top infielder in the league, it's obviously makes uh, makes our pitching staff better, makes everyone around him better. So. Um, I mean, anytime you can add a player like that, it's awesome. I would hope you were able to negotiate pretty good to give up the rights to your number. Can you, can you get any, any insight on how that went down? Um, I haven't got any insight. On okay, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand. That's why uh, Angels fans love watching you so much. You know, it, it's been pretty cool. I'll be honest, just watching from afar and seeing what you guys are doing, and just the fan reaction to everything that you've brought. I'm curious from your perspective, like, what does it mean to you to see so many local Southern California fans just? love watching you play you have become one of the the fan favorites of this team and a team that has mike trout a lot of people's favorite player is david fletcher what's that how's that make you feel uh it means a lot to me and uh kind of a lot of people told me that i inspire them to um just the way that i go out there and play and and um i mean that that inspires me to, to keep playing the game the right way and play hard and and give it give it everything i got What's your message to some of those younger players that come see you? Like, I've, I've been at the signings with you, Fletch, and, I, and I'll, I'll see, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds come up to you or their parents will come up and some of them are a little shy and, you know, they, they, they want to talk to you and hear from you because you are an inspiration to these guys. So what are some of the things maybe you tell them in that moment about how they can maybe work to get to the major leagues? Uh, I, I've told kids that um, you just have to kind of dedicate yourself and um, prioritize that over a lot of things in your life and and work hard and also have fun obviously but uh, it takes a lot of hard work and um, I mean for me it was always fun doing all that work so I never really thought of it as 
as work in that way. Sure. But yeah, you go to LMU, and and that's you guys had a great baseball program there. But one of those programs that doesn't get the mega attention like a lot of others here in Southern California and like an SEC uh, school nationally. Um, and you get you get drafted by the Angels, and you're kind of coming up through the system. For a lot of people, I hear all the time scouts say, "Yeah, we really like David Fletcher," but for whatever reason, a lot of organizations you didn't just flash up at the top of their lists. For you, do you feel like you take a little bit of a chip on your shoulder that you've been able to kind of work so hard, get to this level, and then just kind of prove every day that you are you and, and that's a really good baseball player? Is that something that you kind of take some pride in, or do you have a chip on your shoulder with that? Um, I mean, going through the minor leagues and, and college, I never really thought about uh, having a chip on my shoulder. I was too kind of too busy just uh, going through every day and, and trying yeah. to get better and and competing every day and at, at every level, so I never really thought about it. But looking back now, I can see a little bit of that. Yeah. When did this all become like real to you? Like I know you, your first day in the big leagues, I'd imagine, is, I mean, probably, uh, uh, probably feeling a lot of emotions. But like, when did this become real? That hey, I'm here. I'm here to stay, and I belong. Uh, yeah, my first day up in the big leagues in Seattle was was uh, pretty surreal to me, and. Um, probably didn't hit me till later that night but uh yeah probably after I me mean, probably pretty quick uh, after a couple days or weeks in the big leagues that year um probably started to hit me that I was I was a big leaguer and um that I could play up here who were some of the guys that you really felt like were kind of those mentors to you when you came up to the big leagues that that first kind of welcomed you in in that um Simmons for sure he uh especially playing middle infield with him yeah. uh just watching him every day, you can obviously learn a lot as he's one of the best in the game. And um, Ian Kinsler was here too that year, and uh, he was a good guy for me to look up to. And I mean, he's been in the league in a long time, so yeah. and doing things the right way. So those two guys for sure uh, that I I learned a lot from. You've had to play a lot of different positions. We've seen you a ton at second base. We've seen you play some shortstop, some third base. Um, you got a lot of attention for being a great infielder, uh, especially this past season. But doing it in so many different places, can you describe the challenge or the work it takes to be good and proficient at like so many different areas? Yeah, uh, I mean, it just takes a little extra preparation at, at every spot and um Making sure I get get balls uh, in batting practice every day at, at every spot, so that I so I'm ready to go to all those positions. But uh, once the game starts, I just go out there and and try to just be an athlete and um, just make every play I can. Fletch, you make it look easy. Like nobody does this. Like that. I mean, I, I'm like, do you have a, a theory as to like maybe why it's so tough for players to go to these different positions and you can kind of do it? It seems at least looks like effortlessly. Um, I mean, for me, it's all preparation. Um, if you get all your work in and in the off season and take all your ground balls at all the spots and get your fly balls, um, and then the experience of just playing more and more at every position helps. But once you get that preparation and once the game starts, you can just go out there and, and be an athlete and try to make plays. Joe Madden, now your manager. What were your thoughts when you found out the news that you were going to be playing for Joe? Um, it's exciting. Um, I mean, everyone I've talked to, Tommy LaStella and um, countless others, have, have nothing but great things to say about him, and um, definitely excited for this year. 
he also has really high praise for you. I mean, his introductory press conference, he's talking about, yeah, we want to see a lot of David Fletcher. We think that he's a really great player. How does that make you feel to hear Joe Madden say that on such a public forum like that? Um, yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, it's nice to hear um, that he's got confidence in me. So anytime, uh, I mean, anytime your manager has confidence in you, that's, that's definitely a good thing to hear. Every year we talk with Mike Trout about goals he's setting for an upcoming season. And a lot of times, you know, he'll pick like one specific area and work on that. And, and typically when he does pick that, whatever area it is, he, the next season, executes that really, really well. I know everybody's different. Do you set goals coming into a season like that? Um, do, you have, do you think about that kind of stuff? Uh, not really. I, I just kind of try to get better at everything I do and um, try to just keep playing my game and, and just get better at, at doing that. What's a typical day in the offseason like for David Fletcher? I just kind of want to know. Um, we've been working out here at the stadium and getting our lifting and running in at uh, around 11 a.m. So I'll wake up, eat breakfast, and come to the come to the field. And uh, usually do, done around one. And um, right now, about four or five days a week, I'll go and and hit in the cages after, and uh, take some ground balls and throw. So yeah, a lot of people have been talking about this lineup and how exciting it can be. And you look at the projections, and a lot of people see this as honestly being an elite lineup. I've talked about it a lot on this show, and I think that people that aren't even around Southern California nationally, people know how good the Angels lineup is, and, and you're obviously a very key part in that. Uh, what's your, do you feel a sense of pressure or responsibility to kind of live up to that and know that you know, you're going to be a part of you know, an area of this club that's really going to be depended on? Um. I mean, if anything, there's less pressure uh, yeah. with all the guys we have in this lineup. Uh, I mean, adding Rendon, uh, Upton will be coming back healthy this year. And um, then you got guys obviously like Trout, Albert, and, and Shohei. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that would take pressure off everybody. This has to be exciting to be a part of this group, right? I mean, you have to be, like, thrilled to be part of it, right? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty awesome to be a part of this team. Uh, not only great players, but also guys in the clubhouse, like Albert and, and Trout are just uh, really good guys. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, uh, especially hearing that from you. Another area that you do such a good job in, and you can talk to anybody. I mean, here we are on the second floor uh, of the building here at Angel Stadium, and you go around. Every, first of all, everybody knows you, which is that isn't always said about every player. And also, everyone loves you here, and you do so much in the community, so much outreach. Why is it so important for you to do that kind of stuff and be able to have those connections and those relationships with everybody in the organization? It's just kind of unheard of. Um, I mean, I just feel like I'm, uh, I guess, just grateful for the opportunities that, I got, that I've gotten. So anytime I can go out in the community and um, whether it's a hospital visit or or, uh, or a signing or something, it's, it's, uh, it's always fun for me to do to go out there and, and help people and inspire people. Fletch, you inspire so many. We love it. We're really looking forward to a big-time 2020 season. We're wishing you all the best. And, hey, thanks so much for coming in studio today and joining us here on Halo's Hot Stuff. Yeah, thank you. All right, great stuff from David Fletcher. You can see Fletch all season long. 
by getting a ticket plan. Go visit angels.com slash ticket plans or call 888-796-HALO to buy the best ticket package for you. Pick the games you want and don't miss out on the best seats at the best price. Visit angels.com slash ticket plans or call 888-796-HALO today. If you're interested in a ticket plan and you're trying to pick what games you want to go to, well, we're going to fill you in on maybe a little extra incentive to get on out to the Big A. The promotional schedule was announced earlier this week. We're going to fill you in on that uh, coming up in just a moment. But talking about David Fletcher, I mean, you're talking about somebody that's 25 years old, like I mentioned, sixth-round pick out of LMU. Last year, of everybody not named Mike Trout, David Fletcher had the best war for the Angels at 3.8 last season, led the Angels in hits last season, played the most games for the Angels last season. He played in 154 games. That was more than anybody else. David Fletcher, Mr. Reliable, did everything you can uh, everything that you could ask of somebody to do. If you are a young person out there and you're wanting to learn how to play this game and you're wanting to say, hey, what's it take to get to the big leagues? Man, there is no better example than Mike Trout. Not all of us are, or than David Fletcher, not all of us are born with Mike Trout's ability is what I'm going to say. You know, Mike, Mike Trout's a hard worker. He does a lot right. A lot of that, too, is God-given that Mike Trout's got, right? I mean, this guy is just a natural freak. Not everybody is like that. David Fletcher is not a natural freak athlete. He, it's hard work. It's grinding. It's being available. It's doing the right things to stay healthy. It's being able to play second base, third base, shortstop. Hey, you need me left today? I got you. Hey, we are stuck. Can you go play right field? Sure, I can do that. He does all those things, does all the little things well. A contact guy. The guy is one of the best in all of baseball, not striking out. He finds ways on base. He helps contribute to the team game in every way imaginable. If you had eight David Fletchers and Mike Trout, I don't know that you'd ever lose a game. I mean, seriously. I mean, when you have players like this, uh, unfortunately in today's baseball you know, era, it's hard to find David Fletchers, and a lot of times – uh, David Fletcher's kind of slipped through the cracks, but don't let don't be mistaken here. David Fletcher can play. He's a great player for the Angels. He's going to be at a very important piece. It's going to be interesting to see what the Angels decide to do at second base. Part of me thinks David Fletcher is going to be the everyday second baseman, but the other part of me says, well, wait a minute. Tommy Lastella was an All Star last year. I could see Lastella playing a lot of first base, and and I could also see. You know, Rendon's going to get days off. Simba's going to get days off. Listella will get days off. David Fletcher, I see David Fletcher as playing in 130 games again this year. Whether whether that be, you know, somebody that's starting on opening day in the infield or somebody that is just a utility player that is used so often all over the place, you just see him almost on a daily, nightly basis. I think David Fletcher can be one of those guys. All right, I want to go through this because there are a lot of fun nights coming up to be at the Big A. Let me first say every night at the Big A is a fun night. We have a party here, especially after the games on Angels Recap. You can always listen to each and after, or after each and every Angels home game on Angels Radio AM 830. Uh, on opening day, you can get the wall calendar, but the next night, I'm looking forward to this, the Trout three-time MVP bobblehead. I saw it in person today. I got a sneak peek of it. It is awesome. You want to make sure you're here April the 4th for that. Then come on back April 24th for the Otani Cycle bobblehead. You can back that up with the roll-up blanket and Saturday Night Fireworks. Yeah, every Saturday night uh, we got Saturday Night Fireworks this year. A lot of Otani promos available. Also, May 1st, 
Otani One Kenobi. Yes, get your Otani One Kenobi bobblehead. Uh, that's going to be sweet. Then Country Weekend this year, it's going to be on May the 15th and 16th. On the 15th, you can get a cowbell. I saw the cowbell in person today, too. It's actually pretty awesome. You want to make sure you're here for your cowbell. And then the next night, Chase Rice, a uh, great country artist, uh, is going to be performing a concert afterwards. Also, Saturday Night Fireworks, that's going to be on May the 16th. Angels playing on Memorial Day this year. There will be a Memorial Day fireworks show, a rally monkey uh, rounding out the month of May on the 31st. Then Christmas in June is back, June the 12th, Otani Snow Globe Night. So get your Shohei Snow Globe. Get here for that. Hawaiian weekend this year will be on June 19th and 20th. You'll have a Hawaiian shirt giveaway uh, on the 19th. Got some playing cards coming up on the uh, June 21st as well. Then after the All-Star break, end of July on 70s Throwback Weekend, get your Otani Vintage shirt. I haven't seen it yet, but based on other Otani shirts we have seen before, I am looking forward to this one. A rope hat coming up August the 14th. You can get an Otani pillow on August 19th. Uh, for Ducks Night on September the 4th, a hockey helmet beanie. Uh, September 25th, a growler. And like I said, Saturday Night Fireworks throughout. Lots of other options available. You can go to angels.com to check out the promotional schedule. I bring up Ducks Night. Well, Angels Night coming up at Honda Center for a Ducks game is going to be on January 29th. You can get out there for that there's a lot going on at Honda Center, including uh, the Team USA women's national team taking on Canada, uh, a part of their uh, series, the rivalry series between Team USA and Canada. The Americans won the gold, and earlier this week, two Olympians, gold medalists, stopped by our studios to talk about this upcoming event. Well, it's not every day you get a couple of Olympic gold medalists hanging out here in the house here at our AM830 studios. We have Hillary Knight and Megan Keller from the Team USA U.S. Women's National Hockey Team hanging out with us here before they get set for their rivalry series game coming up February 8th when Team USA takes on Canada at Honda Center. Of course, Team USA got the gold by beating Canada in the 2018 Olympics, uh, winning that game 3-2 in a shootout. The first gold medal for Team USA since 98. And i got to talk to you guys first. It's been a fun little trip for you. I had a chance to stop by uh, Disneyland yesterday. Uh, Hillary, I want to start with you just about what this rivalry series is all about. You guys are up 2-0 right now. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about this series and everything going on here with the Team USA in Canada? Yeah, I think rivalry series sort of sums it up. It's it's a huge rivalry, um, best level of hockey you'll see outside of an Olympic year, um, outside of Worlds too. But it's we're up to nothing, and we've got a solid lead to protect. We're coming to Southern California. We're really excited about that. We rarely come out west, so excited to put the gloves on and lace the skates up and take on Canada. By the way, uh, Hillary, welcome back to the Big A here hanging out. I know you were here uh, back on the uh, one of the victory tours hanging out and got a chance to take batting practice on the field with the Angels. What was that like? Uh, phenomenal. I mean, to be able to like hold Mike Trout's bat, I think, was just I felt like a little kid going to a baseball game again. Um, and then obviously Pujols was around and, um, you know, having such iconic figures and great competitors and watching them perform at their best and also getting to meet them outside of the field of competition was pretty cool. Megan, I got to ask you, how real is this rivalry with Canada? Oh, it's a bloodbath. I mean, anytime we play them, whether it's exhibition or in a gold medal game, you know, it's always going to be a battle. And I, I think that's what makes it really fun for us players and for the fans. Uh, you know, it's always going to be a hard-fought game and it's going to be a lot of action. I have a lot of questions about this rivalry series, but I want to go back to 
2018 for a minute and, and go through that experience. Hillary, I'll start with you because you had been in the Olympics a couple of times before and not come home with the gold. So this time to go do it and be able to not just get to the top of the mountain, but be coming home a gold medalist uh, from the Olympics. How do you describe what that was like for you to accomplish just such an incredible goal? Yeah, I mean, to have a sort of a 20-year drought of bringing home a gold medal, it sort of seemed like this elusive gold. Um, and coming off the heartbreak of Sochi and the fashion that we lost, it it uh, it meant a lot to not only us, but to the country. And the way that I describe it, it's, it's magical. It's like going to Disneyland for the first time, <laughs> essentially. Um, if you never have an opportunity to go to an Olympics, it's, it's like walking around Disneyland for an entire month. But to bring back a gold for our fans, for our friends, everyone who supported us along the journey, it really meant a lot. Megan, you were kind of the newbie on the team uh, in 2018. That experience of being there in South Korea to, to come home a gold medal winner, uh, how would you describe what that was like for you? It was amazing. I mean, we didn't really know what to expect going into it, it being a lot of our first times. And we were lucky and fortunate enough to have such great leaders and, and veterans on our team to kind of show us the ropes. And I think as a team and as a whole, I think we wanted to be able to bring home a gold medal, not just for ourselves, but like Hillary said, for everybody who's ever put on the jersey and our entire country. So it was a really special moment, I think, for all of us to go through together. Love it. Well, it's going to be a party coming up February 8th on the other side of the 57 at Honda Center. Again, uh, February 8th, 7 p.m. You can get your tickets at hondacenter.com slash USA. Hillary Knight, Megan Keller, thank you so much for coming in. Congratulations on all your success and really looking forward to seeing you February 8th. Yeah, we're excited. Thank you. All right, it was great having them come in studio earlier this week and looking forward to that event at Honda Center. But again, you can be there for Angels Nights. That is coming up on January 29th. That's going to just about do it for us here on our show. Do want to thank Alejandro Valenzuela for helping us out behind the scenes tonight. Uh, do want to thank all of our guests. Thanks to Billy Epler for joining us on the air this evening. Uh, also want to thank David Fletcher for coming in studio and also uh, to Megan Keller and Hillary Knight of Team USA women's hockey all for joining us here on the program if you missed any part of this show don't worry download the podcast angels.com slash podcast even better than that go subscribe on itunes uh, part of the apple podcast get it sent right to your phone uh, right to your tablet however you take your podcast it's not just apple podcast we're all over the place download subscribe rate review give us some feedback and always uh, make sure that you work uh, to be part of the show. We love reading tweets. We'll do a better job of that uh, on future episodes, but that's always something we love to do uh, here on Halo Hot Stove and the Angels Recap Podcast. Find me on Twitter at Trent Rush Sports. I'm Trent Rush. Have a great rest of your night.